Hey, good morning, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get started. We waited about 10 minutes for those who are unable to get here with weather, um, but I think we have a quorum now. Uh, Cam's here, so there's a quorum in the room, and we are, we are good to go. Uh, thank you so much uh, for being here this morning for the, what really is kind of our fifth conversation around um, singleness the, uh, and the life of faith uh, and conversations particularly around the scriptures, around life of singleness. We've had conversation on dating, conversation with the church, and kind of bringing all of that together today. Uh, but let me just make a couple of quick announcements and kind of set the stage for us. And then I'm going to invite up our panel. We're going to kind of have a half panel, half open discussion uh, kind of today. But uh, first of all, my name is Jason. If I haven't met you before, I think I've met everybody in the room, but it's good to see you again. Uh, this is, as I said, the final week in our kind of conversations around singleness. Uh, next week, we start a three-week Sunday school series on women in ministry. Uh, so that will begin next uh, week. So next Sunday, 9 to 1030 uh, in here will be that. We have uh, in the back here a couple of our Sunday school team that help us put this on. This is Britt and Brian Kwan and Jacob Domeyer. Jacob, raise your hand. There he is and the nice uh, flannel in the back there. Uh, they've got, if you've got any ideas in those kind of things, feel free to bounce them off of me or them. And they've got a sign-up sheet in the back. So we make sure we send out a separate kind of email just about Sunday school uh, on a periodic basis. So if you want to make sure you get Sunday school only related emails, make sure you sign up uh, there and uh, they'll get you on that list. I think that's the only announcement I have other than if you're not going to service today after this, Ash Wednesday is this coming Wednesday. So uh, on Wednesday, 7 o'clock, here at Palmer, we'll have about an hour-long Ash Wednesday service uh, to kind of kick off Lent uh, this coming Wednesday. So we'd love to see you there for that. All right, let me give you just a kind of a quick overview of where we've been at so far in this particular series. Um, so this whole series kind of around uh, faith in the single life came up out of several conversations, but mainly out of the reality that there are a lot of single folks at New Life downtown. And in addition to that, singleness is not something that the church talks about very often. And when it does, the church often doesn't talk about it well. Um, so there's lots of kind of tension and hurt and pain in the midst of some of that sometimes. Uh, I think Lisa mentioned last week that churches are largely programmed for families. And oftentimes, even what you hear uh, from a pulpit is oftentimes family kind of oriented illustrations and things. And so there can be this tendency to feel very isolated as a single person in the midst of the life of the church. And yet, singles play an absolutely critical component of the life of the church. Uh, and particularly so at downtown, where we have such a large and vibrant kind of group of singles we're so excited about. And so we wanted to make sure we had a series of conversations to kind of address several things. So first of all, our heart in the middle of it all has been to try to have multiple voices um, speaking into the conversation. So you've probably heard uh, either myself or Amber or Lisa or somebody today say things like, well, that's a little different than that person said. Uh, that's been intentional. We want to have multiple voices at the table so that we're listening to one another, learning from one another, kind of thinking about things from different angles and perspectives. Second is that we are trying really hard um, to avoid causing any additional hurt or pain in the midst of it. Because um, we know oftentimes when the church does talk about singleness is it says singleness is a problem to be fixed. 
rather than a season of life to be celebrated that has both its joys and its challenges uh, and in the middle of it has unique things uh, to offer to the church, to the kingdom, to the world uh, and wanting to kind of think through those lenses. Third, we recognize too that when the church does talk about singleness, sometimes we just put a blanket over it as if all singleness is the same, right? But in the room, we're not all single in the same way. Uh, There are people in the church who uh, find themselves single because of a death or a divorce. There are folks who find themselves single and they've chosen to be single. This is a vocation that they've chosen, a way of living out kind of their fidelity to Jesus and feel a deep amount of contentment around that. There are those who are single Uh, and dating and feeling like the season's coming to an end and there's all sorts of excitement kind of around those things. Uh, There are others who are single and wishing to be dating and it's not happening. There's all sorts of kind of narratives that go in. So we can't pretend that, you know, it's like singleness is a one-size-fits-all t-shirt. There is more going on. So we're trying to be sensitive to all of that, uh, though recognizing we're not going to do it well. We're going to fumble sometimes and wanting to be quick to apologize and repent uh, when that happens. So from that perspective, then we've done several weeks. So Amber kicked us off, Amber Ayers, with a week on talking about singleness in the scriptures. Uh, I followed up and talked about singleness in church history and theology. It was a super nerdy week. Um, Then we had Lisa Anderson on a Saturday uh, come and talk to us about uh, faith in the single life, but particularly around the ideas of relationships and dating. Uh, Then Lisa was back last week to talk to us about uh, singles in the church today. Kind of what is the status of uh, the relationship between singles in the church. And particularly she was talking about what in her perspective do singles need from the church. um, And at the same time what does the church need from singles. Uh, What is that sort of conversation look like and trying to talk about it. Uh, on both sides. And so what we thought we would do today is try to have a follow-up to that uh, where we brought some people in to kind of share some of their thoughts as well as to have some interaction and dialogue about those ideas in general and then specifically about those ideas at New Life Downtown uh, to kind of end our time together talking about, okay, how are we doing uh, and giving us some time to have that conversation. So I'm going to invite the panel to come forward. They're going to introduce themselves, uh, and then we will get started. But as they're coming forward, I'm going to pray. All right, gracious Father, thank you um, that we're your kids, all of us, adopted by you, your sons and your daughters, those who are deeply loved by you, our Father. And because of that, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family together. And so as we have this conversation, let it really be a family talk as people who've been united together with you uh, and who are learning what it means to both to live in your way individually, but also learning to live in your way collectively, uh, that we might live in such a way that puts your kingdom on display for other people. So help us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves. Karen, we'll start with you and then go down the line. Um... Hello, my name is Karen. And Hi, Karen. I am, I don't know that I really have that much, that'd be that much great insight on singleness, besides the fact I'm the only single person on staff. So, <laughs> um, the only one on staff? Like full time staff? Only one on full time staff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I, 
yeah, I worked for the church. Lived in Colorado Springs for um, since 90, 1995, but have been all over, done a lot of mission work, and done a lot of a lot with my single life, I guess you could say. But yeah. You'll have to pass the mic down. There you go. Share. It'll be the hot potato mic. Sharing is caring. <laughs> I'm Amber Ayers, and I opened up our, our little series here, I guess, on singleness in the Bible. Um, I'm married to this guy, so we're not single. But we uh, had a wonderful season of singleness individually. Uh, I married him at 33, and he married me at 38, and we are now 36, and 41. Um, We have a five-month-old baby, the cutest baby on the planet. He's currently in the nursery. And um, yeah, we will, our stories will come out as as we talk more, but um, I probably would put myself in the category of desirous of marriage, and I had to wait um, in, in my single, in my 20s and early 30s. So I'll talk a little bit more about what that meant, but um, that's probably, as Jason was talking about, we all are in different seasons of singleness. Um, that's the category I would kind of place myself in. And I, I'm incredibly grateful now, retrospectively, for um, the season of singleness. Um, and I probably would have done some things differently had I known then what I know now. Um, and God is good in the midst of all of it. I... Uh loved also like amber said uh the single you introduced me but i'm matthew ayers (laughs) so i actually i've been with new life church for about uh 11 years now 11 and a half and loved my time but both here and at new life north um and so obviously most of that uh being single and I, I think the unique perspective that I can bring, maybe, maybe not unique, but we'll see as this comes out. I, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to be married or not. So I didn't date as much during my first uh, part of my life that I was single. And so that's probably why it wasn't until I was 38 that I was married. Um, and so I, th- I did date here and there, but it was, um, it was a really uh, interesting time for me actually asking the Lord that same question that Jason brought up to say, is this maybe a vocation for me? Is this maybe a calling to be single? So um, I know we don't probably hear that perspective as often, but I could bring some of that as well. So glad to be here. Awesome. And I'm Jason. Uh, I got married at 26, um, but probably the only unique thing that I bring is I was on church staff for like seven years before I got married. So I started as a youth pastor at 19. Um, yeah, that's, I know that like, it's stupid. <laughs> that's, that's really what, it, that's really what it was. Um, and so I was serving in youth ministry for about seven years before I got married. Um, and kind of navigating that as a person on staff at a church, um, versus like navigating it as a person who's attend, who's attending church kind of, uh, in that capacity. So what I want to start off with today is, kind of talking uh, about the first sort of category that Lisa was talking about last week was, you know, kind of from the diversified experiences. And we'll start here with the panel and then we'll kick it here is out of all the things that you can think about, and this does not have to be particular to New Life Downtown um, because we've all been at different churches kind of during that time. But when you're either single or in the time that you were single, what is something that you wish the church knew or did? 
uh, if there's something critical for the church to know, like if this, if, if I could say one thing to the church about singles, it would be this. So I'm going to let them answer and then you all can think and then we'll kind of have a dialogue around that and then we'll kind of flip it um, from there and say, okay, from the church perspective, what's one thing that is critical from the, for, the, for singles to know about the church life or something along those lines, however we word that. So whoever wants to go first. So I think one, I could answer this in a lot of ways. I had some incredibly funny experiences uh, being also the single guy on staff for a long time um, at New Life North and in Dream Center. So including like church, church Christmas parties, uh, other big events where literally I was the butt of half the jokes. And it was, it could have been really painful, I think, um, for somebody, but thankfully we had good enough rapport and friendship as a team that it was actually quite funny. But I could see how this was, this was like, that, you know, we're stepping into territory there that could have been really painful for somebody. And, and so, but the, but the part that was really um, the most difficult for me um, was like, say, prayer ministry at front of the church or in other settings where you're doing ministry together or you're doing outreach. And uh, it was often an assumption that being single that long into my 30s meant it was some kind of second-class status. Um, And so I think what I would say is the unique, I think, perspective that I was bringing and that I was really enjoying and actually experiencing as a calling was this perspective I almost felt like this is a beautiful thing where you get to be in a position like Jesus was of ministering um, without a family and yet it gives you a perspective of being able to be family to other people that may be married and have kids that may be single but your community is really like family to you and and you have that family in a different obviously in a completely different sense of the word family and yet, it, it brings you closer somehow, I think, to understanding the church as family, like God talks about it in the scriptures. So I loved being able to bring that perspective, and it was always a little bit offensive when people didn't quite understand that that was a gift. Yeah. I'd, like to see, I'd like to see Matthew made offensive. It's <laughs> like, just it's so hard to imagine. Oh, I've seen it. Don't worry. <laughs> no, um, singleness is not something to be escaped and it's not something um, that you attempt to graduate from. And I think, as Jason mentioned in the beginning, uh, the church is often structured where we have the singles ministry and then, like, all the rest of the church. And we kind of put them off in a corner in the building and have them hang out with each other and hope that maybe they'll marry each other and graduate into first-class status. It's just so far from the truth. So... um, <laughs> oh, I will. Don't worry. No, preach it. It's good. So, so he, one thing I think I would say is um, if you are a single person and um, you are enjoying your singleness, you're content in it, or you're not, um, let your gifts be offered to the church and, and present them proudly. Like uh, you have some, maybe a little more space, a little more time. Um, you also have gifts that uh, married people may not have because of your kind of focused devotion and the ability to solely focus on your relationship with Jesus. I mean, it's not that married people don't have that. I don't want to make that correlation. 
Um, but go ahead and offer your gifts as a way of saying, hey, um, I have something that the church needs. Uh, and then I think maybe alongside of that, uh, if you're married or when you get married, uh, keep hanging out with single people. And married people keep hanging, or single people hang out with married people, vice versa. Um, because there is something incredibly valuable about uh, experiencing the full, the family of, of God in all of its many facets. We, Matthew and I, um, we live with three single people. Um, we've had a lot of different configurations in our home, and we uh, kind of rent out the lower level, and we have, we, we live on the upper level with our baby, and, you know, we come and go, and there's a lot of interaction and community um, community dinners and community gatherings, but our lives are richer because those three single people are in our, in our lives, and we get to engage in some really meaningful conversations, and, and we don't somehow say, well, you know, you're single, therefore you have nothing to contribute to um, my life with Jesus. If anything, uh, they teach us every day in the same way that, that we're teaching them and experiencing life with them. Yeah, i so agree with what you're saying. <laughs> like, um, I don't know that I can emphasize it enough, but just one thing that keeps coming to mind is just um, keeping hospitality open between marrieds and singles. Like, I love being around families because it teaches me that there is so much more going on and God is working in so many different ways than just what I'm experiencing. And especially with kind of our culture right now where it's like, very individualized and what am I going through and my personal self-improvement and my um, what do I need to do to be a better person and everyone has their versions of that but when we're in families especially when families and married couples invite us to their house for dinner I just think of when that's been done in the past like I so appreciate that and I'm seen as a person and not just a marital status and um, they're actually investing in me and seeing me as a person and um, that is so impactful but and kind of to go along again with what you said Amber of that singleness is not something to be escaped (laughs) like that is something that I'm really hoping uh, continues to grow with the church is that we gain more of an idea and more comfortability with singleness like we're uncomfortable with it because we don't like to be alone. And the prolonged going outside of cultural expectations of when you should be married or when you shouldn't, um, that once it gets outside of the cultural norm level, like you should be married by a certain age, then people start to feel uncomfortable with it because they start to think something's wrong with you. And um, then they kind of play it in their minds just because they're uncomfortable with it. And so as a single, I feel like I go against that and I'm thinking okay Lord I know that this is something that you have for me right now how do I hold on to that this season how do I make the most of it and how do I engage with the people around me that I can just share my life with them as well Um, but yeah just getting more comfortability with singleness and especially interactions like we can talk about that later but that's something I've it's so interesting to encounter is as a single person, um, the things that run through my mind as I have conversations with the 
my fellow coworkers that are married. Like, what boundaries do you put in for that? What, I don't know, what, it's just that part is interesting about working as a single person on staff with all marrieds. <laughs> Thank you so much. The thing I'd, I'd probably share in the midst of it, like there were things I could go back and say to the, the church that I was at when I was single. But the first thing was, I was so grateful at that time to be a part of the church that had a lot of singles going to it because a lot of singles are not in that situation. And for those who I talk to who are in that, it's, it can be so incredibly hard to go to church by yourself. I think there's, there's something that sometimes we don't fully realize kind of the impact of that, of thinking, I'm going to this place and I'm going by myself. Is anyone going to say hi to me? Is anybody going to sit with me? And I think people who are married oftentimes would just kind of take that for granted. We think, oh, it's just easy to go to church. But I think because of culture, like in general, and culture in the church in particular, it can feel weird to even just show up. Uh, and so I think what I would say to the church is so helpful to know like how courageous single people are um, to engage in community in that respect. I think the second thing I would say, there were some people at the church that I went to who were fantastic at doing those things. They were uh, older married people who brought me into their home on a consistent basis and had conversations and included me with their family. And those folks discipled me. I mean, without question, some of my, my most basic kind of discipleship things happen in the context of married people inviting me into their home on a consistent basis and kind of letting me do life with them. There were a whole other group of people in the church that I just wanted to scream at them sometimes and say, there's more to my life than my dating. Like, it, I, I, there were Sundays I hated going to the lobby at church. Like, I just did not want to have another conversation about, hey, have you met so-and-so? Or can I introduce you to so-and-so? Or... You know, there's a, there's, I think there's a time and a place for that, but there was at times I was going, like, I, I'm serving in the youth ministry here. Do you want to talk about students? Like, I have these other interests. Like, I'll talk, I'll gladly talk baseball with you all day long. I just don't want to have a sixth conversation this month with you about my dating life. And that's the only thing that we talk about. Like, can we talk about Jesus? Anything. <laughs> we are at a church, so. <laughs> like, please. Um, so how about for you all? What are things that you think of just kind of uh, in general, like if, if there are things that you wish the church could hear or know, what are the critical things for the kind of the church to keep in mind um, from your perspectives? And I'll bring the microphones. We'll bring the microphones around so we can get them on the podcast. Anybody? All right. You want to run up that side? And I'll go to this side. Okay. That might save, that might save, us, some, that might save us some time. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just wanted to, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I have an original question, but I did want to emphasize um, the point that was made about um, how hard it is to come to church and just have no one there um, because that, and, and for the church to actually um, make a point and to emphasize, you know, there are people that we need to start inviting um, into our lives and including them um, because um, when I was uh, I moved overseas a couple of years ago and I, w I started going to this church and for almost a year um, I was going to this church and I didn't really know too many people and I wasn't and the church wasn't doing an incredible job of 
like seeing me or noticing me or including me. And there were some weeks where I woke up and I just, I just didn't want to go to church. And it had nothing to do with my growth or my faith. In fact, sometimes I did church in my house, <laughs> but, and, which I felt terrible about, but I just I didn't want to go back to that environment where I came in, I sat down, I listened, I worshipped, and I left, and nobody said anything. Nobody looked at me. And, and there, were, there were multiple times where that happened, and I think, I think it's so sad um, when that happens in a place like this. And... And um, yeah, I think I think New Life does a, a pretty good job of seeing people, but I think the church on a whole, and even New Life, I mean, we all you know need some growth, but I think that that's something that um, really needs to be uh, noticed because that's that's such a sad uh, thing to happen. Uh, so yeah, and I'm not necessarily saying it, you know, it does or doesn't happen here, but yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of plays into, real quick, the, um, that for some reason we kind of categorize singleness as someone to be marginalized. Like when you're talking, I'm thinking, and we do that with so many people, like people that look different than us or people that we, like, are homeless friends that come in or um, if they don't speak the same language or something that we just see as not of the majority, we kind of just, we they're okay to be here, but I won't engage them. And I think that's what we're fighting for. Like, we want engagement of the full body of Christ. We want engagement of every type of person. We want engagement of everybody who God leads to us. We want to be welcoming of them and say, you have value. God led you here. And it could very well be to be an amazing minister to us, to me. And to be open to that and not just, this is our majority, this is what we do, and we'll kind of do a little shout-outs to you every once in a while. But actually having a holistic view of the body of Christ and engaging everybody. Yeah, so um, on that note, I guess, I, uh, about engaging people as individuals rather than programming for numbers, I, I sort of get the logistics of, uh, a church trying to meet the needs of the body and having, if you have most of the people who are married, it's important to um, address the things that they that they need. But I think that there's a way to talk about Jesus and uh, the way that he impacts our lives and the things that he wants for us that um, matters to everyone and not, not in a way that it's only structured around... Uh, there was particular needs of, of parents or of married people or, or even of single people in, in, in their particular struggles. But I, I really would want for our, our space to be a space where um, the person who is single because they experienced sexual abuse and uh, might never be married or have the capability of sustaining a relationship feels like Jesus' grace and plan for their life is just as big and full and good as the married couple sitting next to them with their three kids. Um, and that, that to me is important that we're talking about um, God's plan for our lives and, and for the church as a body in a way that's communal and not, uh, not in a way that, like we've said, singleness is a, a problem to be solved. So um, 
or that marriage is the end goal even uh, maybe for some for some people that it, it is or it's an important and good piece um, but I think uh, if you're looking around and you're thinking uh, this person's single that's so sad or they don't have anyone or you know um, please please don't do that don't uh, uh, don't look at it with with pity like if you see somebody who you think man they're really lonely and they don't have anybody here the solution to that is not um, to pair them off it's to walk with them you know so um, So I think I'm in a unique position because I've been single um, for 70 years and um, been in the church, all of that, or a large portion of it. And I've been in churches varying from a handful of people uh, where I did everything (laughs) to a body like... um, New Life Downtown. One of the things I think is important is to acknowledge your own personality. Um, I love people. I don't have any problem going up and being obnoxious and interacting with people. But I'm really clear that that that's not everybody's personality. And there are those people, um, married and single, who are shy and retiring and need somebody to um, reach out to them. So I think, as my brother here was talking about, um, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit as we interact with each other within the body of Christ and recognizing that we are the body of Christ. And I remember, I mean, there's just so many things that, like, I grieve more over not having children than not being married. And it became extremely important to me, and still is, to honor the children of the congregation and to um, get down on their level as much as I could uh, sometimes. Um, So the opportunities for ministry Create some. If you don't see a place, create a place. Um, Just some of those kinds of things. I think, again, we are the body of Christ. We come together. Um, Yeah, it's a social club. Let's uh, be honest about that. That's the church. For me, most of my life, that's been how I socialized. Um, But... It is the body of Christ. It is a place, and I so appreciate here at New Life Downtown the opportunity to have corporate worship and, to, and, and that it is acknowledged as such that when the body of Christ comes together, there is something powerful in, in worshiping the Lord that we love, the King that we serve uh, together. And... Just, those are some of my thoughts as a, an old single lady. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. We have one more, and then we'll, we'll switch topics real quick. Katie? Uh, thanks for having this 
time this morning and for putting on this series for us. Uh, one of the things I've been thinking about over the, the long haul, observing friends who were single, got engaged, got married. Um, it's interesting to watch, and I'm saying all of this knowing that there's the, the plank in my own eye, you know, before talking about the speck in someone else's, but we all have idols in our lives that sometimes we're unaware of, and other times God gives us grace to go, oh, that thing has a little too much grip on my life, and um, just pointing out that there are times where uh, it feels as though married couples turn inward, and their whole world becomes just the two of them, or their family, and it's hard to invite yourself into that to try and maintain friendships or build community when the other side of the equation, who you're trying to build community with, just isn't, isn't interested because they have other things that are a greater priority, and rightfully so. And um, I wonder, you guys have created a platform. Jason, you have invited single folks into your house, and you're making these avenues for us to connect and build community, and a number of us are so thankful for that. And even this is a platform, and I'm thankful for the married folks who are here this morning. But how, this is a question for the church, and I think this is something that needs to be focused on. How do we put energy into creating desire within married people to want to engage with the whole body of Christ and learn about the other side and and step into that. Because it's one thing for, for single people to show up and go, I'm ready for community. I'm here. Let's do this. But if it's crickets on the other side, um, there's not very many married people here this morning and the church has offered and promoted this, that it's not just for single people. So when it's not something that's valued by married people, what is the church going to do? Do we have a sermon about things in terms of body of Christ and like when we turn inward and have our own like things that make us comfortable and stepping out of our comfort zones or I don't know what the solution is, but I'm offering up the question for consideration of a platform's been offered and we could continue to do this, but until married couples have the internal desire to want to engage with it and have the full body of Christ experience that way, uh, feels like a rock pushing up the hill, right? No, I, th- I think you're. I think you're right, Katie. I, mean, I think it it is kind of the critical question of how how do we kind of create that culture and get the momentum and sustain that momentum so that that becomes rather than uncommonplace, that becomes commonplace within the context of church. Because I think those of us who have experienced it in church would say that that's probably the exception rather than the rule. Um, That the tendency is across our country um, to sort of segregate by various kinds of things. Uh, And most commonly, I think, in the church is age and gender, uh, or age, gender, and marital status or like kind of the three ways that we just kind of, we program ministry around those kinds of things. And there's a certain sense like, okay, 
educating uh, you know twos and three year olds together probably makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like we should probably you know uh, trying trying to do uh, twos and threes with seventh and eighth graders probably isn't going to go well. Uh, so there is some sense to that, but I think when we get beyond uh, a certain point in time, to say, okay, what does this actually mean for us to have uh, sort of a diversified community life um, without you know saying we don't have unique needs you know for each kind of framework, but that becomes things that we do here and here, but the, the, the primary life together is diversified. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the best way to change culture is to start a new one, um, is you, you just start in small pockets and then hope it kind of gets infectious uh, and kind of grows a little bit from there. All right, I'm going to flip the coin a little bit for the panel and say, uh, ask the question, uh, and then we'll kick it to you all. Um, when we, so that was the conversation is particularly about uh, what, is the, what is the critical for the church to sort of know uh, about singles, or what, what does the church need to know or to recognize? What, what can the church bring or offer to singles? Um, I think that I want to flip a little bit and say, okay, what is it that singles bring to the church? What did you bring to the church during that kind of time period so that we can also think about the reciprocal nature of the relationship uh, on that end of things. So whoever wants to kick it off can, can go from there. Um, this gets back to my part of my story where I say I would, I would maybe do a few things differently <clears throat> in my 20s and early 30s if I knew then what I know now. Um, and I, I would say that... Uh, the church needs people who do singleness well. And the church needs healthy single people. In the same way that the church needs healthy married people and healthy individuals who are in a marriage covenant relationship. So my encouragement would be, who are you? Ask the question, who are you becoming? Uh, who are you becoming as a single person who may end up getting married? or who may end up living a life of singleness? And what are the character qualities that are being developed in you? Um, and if you do have that deep desire to be married, guaranteed, you, you're going to want to attract somebody, and you're going to want to end up with somebody who is also on the journey and developing their relationship with the Lord. So I was thinking about this this morning when I was getting ready. Like, what were the things that I would have done differently to do singleness well. Um, and that's a term that I use often now. I, I often talk with um, different friends who are, are single or think about my own single life. And I say, what would it have looked like if I would have just done singleness well? And there were seasons where I did and there were seasons where I didn't. Um, I think it would, it would look like uh, asking what are the fruit of the spirit that are uh, really strong in my life and what needs to be further developed? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Where, where is God working on you in those areas? And how might you continue to develop um, those areas that are lacking or are underdeveloped? Uh, I, actually, I actually had a kind of 360 assessment done on me. <laughs> 
around the fruit of the Spirit where I had friends and family members tell me which fruit of the Spirit were strong in my life and which were not. We'll be doing this for everyone right afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to stick around. <laughs> okay. Now that was scary and felt very vulnerable, but the results were not surprising, right? And so, so I knew that because my community was saying to me, hey, Amber, look at this, like work on this area. Um, those were things that, oh, by the way, and I did that since being married to Matthew. So he actually also reflected back to me, like, you got this going on, but maybe pay attention to this. Um, I would have done that maybe less formally. Um, I would have done that in, in my single years. Like I, w- I would have asked, okay, am I strong in this fruit? Where am I lacking? How am I developing? How am I growing close to Jesus? What is it that he is doing? Take a spiritual audit of your life and then offer your healthiest and best self back to the church because that's what we need. We need healthy individuals, whether they are in a marriage covenant or whether they are single. Let me just, I'll piggyback on this a little bit because I think, I think what, I love this message, but I think what we can often hear when we hear this is to do singleness well is like subtly in the back of our minds, we still hear so that you are prepared for marriage. And I think that that's, um, those are two very different lenses to look through and to see the world. And, and I honestly, the church has not done great, uh, especially evangelical charismatic churches. I mean, I just think of New Life's history. And there was a particular Bible study that called out certain aspects of manhood and womanhood that were supposedly the most important from the scriptures. And one of them included basically being a good wife and good mom at home and keeping care of the home. And that was a big part of New Life's history. I mean, it's been years now, but it's still, it, I know from conversations that I have with people today that it's still affecting people negatively. And so I would say first, the church probably needs to repent and continue to have that conversation and say, I'm sorry for maybe how we portrayed. Maybe we've actually elevated this goal of singleness, the primary goal for singleness is to prepare for marriage. And so, so then once we repent and we can build that trust again, we can actually engage in the conversation at a deeper level and, and then bring that challenge forward and say, okay, maybe actually the lens we look through in every situation or relationship is seeking God's kingdom first and his righteousness. And what does that look like in this particular situation? Does it look like um, how can I, you know, engage in a conversation with my neighbor uh, that really will help point them towards Jesus in their lives, right? And if we look through the lens of we're always preparing ourselves in the future for marriage, that's, that um, actually bumps up our priority in our life so that we look at all these opportunities that we have around us, whether it's to engage in friendship or discipleship or ministry or just living out the calling that God has in our lives, we look at that very differently based on how we prioritize those values. So I would just say that the church needs to do a great job of encouraging the body of Christ that our primary lens should still be and, and has never stopped being seeking God, his kingdom, and his righteousness first. I didn't think that this was going to be such a difficult question. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, what do singles offer the church? And wait, I'm single. What do I offer the church? Like, 
Um, and I think, speaking from that platform, I find myself, because we're having this conversation, actually having to think through what's true and what's not true in what I offer. Because initially when I'm thinking about this, I'm like, well, I provide, like, I can jump in at any time. I can bring fresh perspectives on things. I have, um, and I've heard so many people say this, oh, do it while you're young, while you have time to do all these things. Or do it when you're single, when you have time for all these things. And I'm like, actually, I have a pretty full schedule. Like, and I'm not here as a workhorse for the church. Like, I'm not like, oh, ask the single people to do it because they've got more time. They don't have the kids to take care of and the family and all this stuff. And like, actually, that's kind of hurtful. Um, a truth that's been, or not a truth, but a um, way of thinking that's been projected to a lot of single people. Um, so even thinking for myself, um, I taking what's initially said of you do have, we do have more resources and time right at our fingertips, um, making the most of those for presenting ourselves as fully healthy people. I love that what you said, Amber, like this is our time and even it continues on into marriage, but it just looks so different. Um, but I, because it's just me, I can think just for myself. I don't have to get anybody's permission. If I want to take a part in something or if I feel like, hey, you know, actually I really want to go to this school and do this or I really want to become equipped with these skills. So I have more will go room that way. Um, you do have, you can do that as in other seasons of life. But I think something that I personally bring to the church is um, the opportunity to kind of bring up conversations about singleness as well as just really pushing initiatives forward um, with my kind of more free schedule that I can just take part in things that the church is wanting to do and have coffee with friends, have people over to my house for dinner. Like it's just a more, I don't know, I see my schedule as it's full, but I have the wiggle room because it's just me that I'm thinking about <laughs> in it. It's good. I was thinking, um, as we were talking, one of the things I appreciate, I think that all of you echoed, was the sense that even the question itself, like though it's appropriate for the setting, is somewhat faulty, right? Um, that there, there is, by even, the, the question itself really is the best, the best question is, is as a person, um, what do I bring to the church? is, uh, and so when we're talking about pursuing health, we're talking about pursuing the Lord, we're talking about what are our gifts, what are all of those kinds of things. And I, I remember uh, a sermon I heard, and I, I can't, it was probably like 2000, 2001, uh, and a guy got up to, to talk, and the, the church that I was serving at had gone through a massive crisis. So it was, you know, kind of three years old at the time, 4,000 people on a weekend, senior pastor had a moral failure, and you know, two years later, it was like 400 adults. Uh, I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a rough kind of introduction to ministry life. Um, but I remember him standing up in front of the church at one point, one of the guys who ended up coming on staff. And he this super simple sermon, but I think there's such beauty in it. He said, the church is people, and I'm a people. So whatever I want the church to be, I should be. Um, and simply thinking through that lens of, if, if the church really is people and I'm a person, then what, what do I want 
the church to look like? What, what is my heart and passion desire for the church? And then maybe how do I just simply offer that um, in that capacity? And that stuck with me. That has not changed um, between being a single person, being a married person with no kids, being a married person with one kid, with two kids, with three kids, uh, with three kids and a mom living in our basement. Um, like we're still asking that question um, of what, what does it mean to be the church and how do we participate in that life regardless of uh, what status that we might have in any of these kind of other areas. Well, thoughts, thoughts from you all. I'll run. <laughs> I, I see that hand, Larissa. Okay, so I have an opinion on this, but I want to know other people's opinions. What do you think is, or is there like an official church position on this of like single people who are in positions of leadership mentoring maybe married people through a season that they've never walked through? So I didn't share this part um, today, but I was on staff at First Pres, our neighbor church over here. Um, and ordained in the Presbyterian Church uh, in 2011. Um, and I m- got married, like, a number of years later. So I performed a number of weddings, did premarital counseling, all from the position of being a single woman. Um, guaranteed, I was passed over to do different weddings. When, when a couple would maybe come to the church and say, hey, we'd like to be married, you know, who, who, can, who can do that? Um, certainly I was... I was not the first one chosen. Um, there were a couple other guys who were married and had kids and had kind of the standard 2.5 kids and, you and know. a minivan. And a minivan. And, you know, like, that's the picture that a lot of people um, see when they say, oh, I'm going to get married in a Presbyterian church and walk down the aisle and there's going to be a guy standing there to pronounce us as married. But all that to say, um, the weddings that I was able to do, they, um, they were incredibly rich. And, and I feel like, uh, yes, there were th- certain things that I couldn't speak to from experience, okay? So I can't have the sex talk um, and, and talk about it like I know what I'm talking about, right? But I feel like I was able to speak about the truths of what life in the kingdom looks like and what covenant relationship looks like because I know that, because I've experienced that. And I know what healthy, um, like, interpersonal relationships look like. Um, and I, I was able to offer that gift. Um, and no one ever told me like, hey, by the way, I passed you up or I didn't ask you to do my wedding, you know. But I, I'm, I'm certain that it happened. I mean, just behind the scenes, I'm going to assume that I, I wasn't asked to do as many weddings because of my single status. That's great. Yeah. That answer the question? I mean, I think that's the kind of the basic idea, I think, is at any point when we're talking about mentoring, we're talking about discipleship. Uh, we're talking about Jesus and what it means to f- follow him. And we've, we've fleshed that out in different seasons in different ways. And yet there is uh, a sense that when we're talking about mentoring or discipleship, that these kinds of things about our lives, like whether or not we're in business or we're a teacher, whether or not we're married or we're single, whether we're a parent or we're not, are about having to flesh out the values of the kingdom in all of those areas. And yet the kingdom's values are the same. Um, and so I think we can walk with one another through all of those things, regardless of, you know, where we happen to be. I, I have really nothing to offer business people in terms of anything about business life. And yet, to talk about the values of the kingdom as it relates to how 
uh, we treat employees and all those kind of things. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and just for the record, like I got married when I was 21, um, pretty young. So, but the most effective like mentorship in my marriage has been from a 29-year-old single woman, and so that, yeah, it's been good. Very cool. You want you want to hit that that sign? That'll that'll save me 26 calories. Uh, two things. I want to kind of hit that topic again. I have found at times in being in church leadership at different phases of my life, as I got older, I felt a little bit more fish out of water, but it was always my thinking. It wasn't necessarily God saying that. God doesn't care if I'm single. He's like, yeah, go talk to this person and say what I, you know, they need to hear what I'm telling you to tell them. And that takes some courage and to kind of let, lay down yourself, but God just doesn't seem to care. I mean, whether you're married or not, anyone you talk to, you don't know their life story. You haven't experienced it, whether it's a marriage thing or child, children or career. You just, you can't. So you're, you're always trying to just relate regardless of how you're different or the same. Um, kind of back to the singleness thing. I kind of agree the question's faulty. Uh, not to get overly semantics and stuff like that. Do singleness well. I'm competitive, so I'm going to do well. And I've even gotten frustrated when people are like, God, you do singleness pretty good. I'm like, oh, man. Uh, it it kind of hurts to hear almost. Um, but uh, I kind of think of it in terms of identity. At first, like Matthew or Matt, sorry. Matthew, well, first we're children of God, and then down from there there's different things. And as I've, I have tried to kind of let go of like the singleness being higher on the identity ladder, if you will. And I have found now that I'm way more comfortable hanging out at night with all married men talking about life, and we're identifying about our struggles and challenges and dreams because can't speak to this, but your identity when you're single, yeah, it's going to change. You're going to bond with, you know, bond with somebody else, but you're still taking a lot of that identity into marriage, and you know, the things that maybe you're wrestling with now, you're still going to wrestle with later. So I think when you identify less as a single person and identify other people less as a married person and see that more of an attribute of their life, you find a lot more common ground. I mean, us guys are still struggling with some of the same things, whether you're married or not. So I just, I find that the identity thing is really important, letting go of some of those things and find out what, you know, finding out who you are, becoming that better person, all that stuff. Not better person, but, you know, more in touch with that. I think is a better way to look at it. So not to get too semantics. No, but I think you're right. That's, that's great, Alex. Thank you. A couple more? You're going right up the line there, Karen. Well done. <laughs> so I had just two things as well. Um, so I'm, I'm a counselor. And here in El Paso County, and I've built quite um, a reputation for myself in the court systems, and I'm considered in the court a parenting expert, and I do not have children. <laughs> um, and so I spend a lot of time teaching people, you know, how to relate to their children and all these things. And granted, I'm a great aunt, and I have all these, I'm fulfilled with all these kids that are around me, um, but that is not something I know firsthand. And yet, that is a huge, I mean, in the secular world, that's what I have kind of built for myself. Um, people bring two and a half year olds to me all the time because I relate well to them. <laughs> and so, um, and I work really well with the parents. Same with married. I do a lot of marriage counseling. Um, and I think Amber said it well. I think we all know relationships in our time and we all have, I mean, I look at my own life and my own family life and there's conflict there. And so I know how to help resolve conflict because my sisters and I fight like normal siblings, um, which 
our, you know, the way we fight with our siblings or the, our parents, we do that in our marriage relationships too. So I think Alex said it well too. Stop looking at it as like married singles, kind of just start being and who are you as a whole person. Um, the other piece of it is a couple months ago I met with Jason and I was going through some time in my life and I was, I was talking to him and I was saying, oh, I want to serve and I want to do this and blah, blah, blah. And he like slowed me down and he goes, so how can the church serve you? Because I've always been involved in the church and always been trying to do something, especially in my singleness. And so that was a question that was really, really hard for me. <laughs> I thought you loved it when I asked. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best thing ever. Um, and I still haven't answered that well. But it's, I think it's something we have to ask ourselves, whether we're married or single. Like, we want to be involved. We want to get, you know, have those relationships. But also, how do we allow people to really feed into us if we're so, like, I'm going to do this. And this is where my gifts are. And not just letting people sometimes feed us. And so I think New Life Downtown, especially in this season in my life, has done that well for me. Um, and that's been a huge blessing. But it's also really a, a confusing question because I don't do that well. I don't know how to let people be there for me well. So that's something that in this stage in life, in singleness, that's also something I have to look at because I'm really great at getting involved and volunteering and doing, offering my time. But I also have to learn how to let people be there for me. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, I think what single people bring to the table is just a, I mean, any, any person, um, but also just about a different perspective, right? Like a seat at the table, having a different perspective is a good one. So just a couple of examples, like I was in a small group um, of women's Bible study and all of the conversation would eventually evolve into, I was the only single person, they were all married with kids. And the whole thing turned into being like, well, what's the best discipline style and what's the best, all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, either I'm here and we're going to talk about Jesus and all like, and yes, how that affects your life as a married person with children and being a parent and trying to do that well. Or like I should go and this should be like a married women's, you know, Bible study. And I I actually brought that up and I said, because you guys are more than moms, like First and foremost, you are followers of Jesus, and you have needs as a woman, as a person before God. And I, so I think, and they they appreciated that. And I'm, I mean, it was just like part of my own, just like insecurity of like, what do you want me here or not? And it turned into being like a really rich perspective because they they hadn't realized that it kind of turned into this whole thing about, oh, oh yeah, I am more than a mom, and they it hit them a lot harder so I think I feel like that's a good thing like to keep that's why it's good to have different voices at the table not just single married international not, you know American like I mean I work for an international organization and I love hearing from people around the world and one thing when I travel is we always end up talking about marriage and what does marriage look like internationally and what does singleness look like because a lot of places I go you know if you're not married you're married young a lot of times and it, it's really odd to be an adult <laughs> as old as I am married and in a position of management which is different so that that whole thing I think is just such a rich conversation that you lose when you don't have um, kind of a balanced perspective it's fantastic I mean it, and it's it's I think so hard to speak up in those situations and yet so needed um, to be able to hear like oh yes that's what a great reminder 
that, okay, we're followers of Jesus, we're his adopted kids, filled with the Spirit, on mission, all those things together, and our life is not simply this, or simply this, or simply this. It's much bigger and more beautiful. All right, one or two more? Yeah. I was slacking down there. Hi. Um, I had some mentors in college that were wonderful, and I recently went back to visit them. And, you know, Bree was asking me, she's so full of grace, she was asking me, how are you doing? How is life? And I was like, Bree, like, I keep getting, like, what's your next career move? Like, are you dating anybody? And I just said, like, I'm tired of answering the question that I'm not. And she said, well, the questions are beginning now, but they don't stop. I was like, what do you mean? She said, well, when Ricky and I got married, we were not ready to have kids right away. But all of our friends were. And so then everyone was asking us, hey, when are you going to have your first baby? And we weren't ready. So we kept saying, whenever we feel the Lord is ready for us to have a baby. And then they had their first baby. And then the second baby, they were asking, are you guys going to have another baby? And they're like, we are still praying about the when the Lord wants us to have another baby. And then um, second baby. And then even like third baby. Yeah. Are you guys done having kids? Are you ready for the next baby? And then she said, and then we had our third baby because we felt like, you know, the Lord is still moving in our family. So now we have, um, now we have three girls and it's beautiful. And I was at the grocery store the other day and this woman said, wow, you have your hands full. And I was thinking, well, everyone else wanted me to have my hands full. Like we prayed, like everyone's been asking me like when I'm going to have my next baby. And she was like, this is something that's going to be your whole life. And whether you're married or not, like you're going to have people asking you questions about how's your job going? Um, How's your family doing? How is that situation? How are you handling it? And she said, and you just have to respond with grace. And it like changed my whole brain because she was like, they don't understand and know where you are. And they're asking you because they care, but they don't understand fully where you are. And so you just have to say, you know what, right now I'm not dating anybody and it's totally fine with me. And I'm like praying through what the Lord wants me to do next. And I don't know what that is. How are you doing? And then you just like ask them how they're doing because, because it's more like a question that sometimes people don't know how to, how to start a conversation. So the first question is, do you have a husband? I've been asked that before. Um, no, uh, I have a job. Do you want to hear about my job? (laughs) I don't have a husband. I have a job. Um, anyway, so just, yeah, that was like life changing for me. And, um, she is the most graceful person I think I've ever met. And she just was like, Megan, the questions start now and they don't end and they won't ever end. So don't get upset at people when they ask you because you're going to have this at every season and every stage, whether you're married or not. So I was like, that's that's some good stuff right there. That's so insightful, and I think you know there is there is a genuineness to people asking the question, right? Like I said before, you know, I wish they would ask about other things, but I think sometimes we just don't know what else to ask, um, and it's hard to know exactly how far to press, or you know, what, if someone were to come up and ask you, so how is your soul? Uh, we we may not. It's it's probably the best question to ask, but we don't. But that may even make us feel more uncomfortable than are you dating somebody? <laughs> uh, but it's true. Like I get asked all the time. We have three girls, and so the most common question I get asked is, "Are you going to try for a boy?" I mean, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty continual question, uh, kind of along those. I probably answer that question at least once a week. 
Um, yeah, it's it's pretty. I mean, oftentimes it's the grocery store when I'm out with all three girls somewhere. Like it just comes up. So are you gonna try fur boy? You must be lonely. <laughs> like, no, there's plenty of conversation going on. I'm not lonely. <laughs> all right, anybody else? Yeah, Jacob. So even though we've decided maybe that the question isn't quite framed the right way, <clears throat> I'll still kind of take it on a little bit. So um, as as people who are not currently married, you know, what, what do we offer to the church? Um, and I think just from some of my own experiences, I'm not going to say something like uh, time or the ability to, to jump in or, you know, um, sort of those broader but not specific to you type answers um, but I think just uh, having the perspective knowing who you are and the things that you need and your goals and dreams and desires looking around at the community that, that you're a part of and saying where do these fit in so that we're not I'm hoping that we're not um, waiting until we get married uh, hoping for somebody to come along and really notice that we're uh, hardworking or uh, financially responsible or good at planning parties or good with kids or, you know, or patient or um, uh, really adventurous and can go anywhere and do anything uh, that we're not using marriage as the place where our gifts uh, are supposed to kind of come out and be nurtured, but that we're looking around the community of the body of Christ and saying, where do these, where do these fit in? And, and uh, providing those to our brothers and sisters. I know for me, um, I I'm really ad uh, adaptable, and I don't. What this means, I'm, I'm saying this in a nice way for myself. I don't plan very well, um, but I but I can take anything that you give me right now, and it's going to be fine. Um, and that's been great in some of my friendships with married people who need to plan further out. And when things come up that are stressful, it's really hard for them to make changes because they've got to steer this big boat of a family into something new and I'm right there saying like hey let, let me uh, let me just be a part of this with you so I know with uh, well I'm thinking of one particular family that, um, I'm, that I'm friends with that I've, I've helped them uh, roof their house and I'm, I like to say I'm not like a construction expert I was just there um, so I've I helped them roof their, <laughs> the roof their house and put up cabinets and, and paint and uh, fix a motorcycle and fix kids toys and, and just be there when they need somebody there and then when they moved from Colorado Springs uh, to Boston uh, I, I realized like I actually have a couple of days off let me drive with you and I'll help you move in and then I'll fly back and those memories for me are some of my favorite memories of community with this married family like on the last day we put all their stuff up in the attic they're moving in with their folks there's not a lot of room it could have been really um, hard or tough and it probably was for them and I just got this great moment of joy where I got to have ice cream with their little girl and she was stoked about it like she was she was thrilled so all that to say I'm, I don't think uh, everyone needs to uh, every single person needs to interact with the body in the same way but just sort of looking around and saying where do my strengths fit into this community and how can we continue to do life together awesome thank you Jacob all right so I want to turn a little bit for the last 20 minutes or so uh, that we have left, uh, oh, we have like 15 minutes left, and just talk real specific about New Life Downtown. Uh, we kind of talked in some general, generalities, and we can talk more specifics about d downtown if you want to afterwards. Um, 
But I think, you know, there's a, there's a space for that. And recognizing that there are things both to celebrate that are happening and there are things that there needs to be a challenge or a critique of. Uh, or there may even be like creative ideas that are out there. Uh, I told a couple people, these are always the places for me where there's a little bit of fear and trepidation. But, but here's why. I, I think so often the church over promises and under delivers. Um, and so that's the part for me that is, is always the hard part of trying to, to think through. We want to create space for creativity and conversation and critique and all those things without saying that, that today everything will now forever be different. <laughs> um, but saying, okay, let's have a space where the, at least the conversation's happening because if it's a culture change, that's going to take a long time to begin with. But it starts with being in a room and having conversations. And so uh, if you don't have anything real quick that you'd say, like just from your experiences looking at life at New Life Downtown, if you were to say, hey, here's one thing I would celebrate about downtown or here's one thing that I'd, I'd challenge, and then we'll, we'll kick it out from there. I think that was a really amazing idea to even have it preached about from the, like, from the front, like a main sermon on singleness on different stages of life like um, what does that look like to live out where you are now from a biblical and Jesus centered perspective Um, I'm taking notes (laughs) having that be a conversation starter whether it's um, just to even get it in people's vernacular more like get it people thinking about it more and um, yeah sweet that'd be awesome I can't speak directly to this. I only know of it evidenced from <clears throat> the relationships that I observe. But I'm aware that meal groups, um, some of them are age and stage, and some of them are focused on you know, the topic uh, of study. And I think the more that we can rally around Jesus and the more that we can rally around life with him and who we are becoming, then you know, singles, marrieds, parents, not parents— Everybody gets together and you contribute your unique perspective. And I would say that's going to be probably a more developing and shaping kind of group to be in um, than maybe everyone's talking about how to discipline your kids because you all have two-year-olds. There's a time and a place for that, right? Um, But I I love that. I think there's a general mixture at this point, and Evan probably could speak more to it. But um, I think meal groups is the... For New Life Downtown, it's the representation of, of how community happens outside of the worship services. And so as much as we can continue to diversify and offer that and encourage people to hang out with uh, those who are unlike them and those who are of different marital statuses and age and stage and gender, um, the more rich we're going to be. I thought only Glenn did hashtag jokes. <laughs> so I don't know if this is like, uh, I don't think New Life Downtown can take credit for this. Maybe a little bit. Uh, but just an observation that this is the way it is. There is a really diverse group of singles and married and age. And so, I mean, what a blessing, right? What a gift to at least have that as a starting point that we can recognize there is a lot of diversity Maybe not in um, ethnically yet, but there, there's other areas of diversity uh, in terms of just the numbers of people. I would, I would, just looking out at the congregation on a Sunday, I don't know, I would maybe guess even 
near half and half. So I think um, what this is, and so this isn't a critique, but it is more of a challenge that looking at that opportunity, I think your story uh, that you just shared about this family you helped move to Boston is instructive to us. And I think that there's an opportunity all around us from both sides, whatever stage we're at, that we can learn to just be a little more courageous and take a step out and develop community in those ways. Um, because I know, just looking back over my life, the default was when I was single to reach out to single and now I'm married to reach out to married. Now we've like uh, made our lives impossible for me to do that by having singles live with us and like just having our life schedule set up around a lot of single activity. But if we didn't do that, uh, it would, I would naturally default to hanging out with married couples. So I think maybe we just ask ourselves, what's that question that, it, are there ways that we can create situations where we're going to keep bumping into each other like that? That's great. So it takes both some courage and some intentionality. I mean, I think that's something that you guys model really well, I think, for the whole church, is trying to be intentional about being in community with diverse people. Awesome. All right. Thoughts around here? We're going to split the room in half again. But Karen's side's a lot busier than my side. I do just want to first acknowledge that... Um, that the entire time that I've been in a church um, for my life, uh, this has been one of the most refreshing series on this topic that I have ever heard. Um, it's covered areas of singleness that either don't get discussed because it's taboo or because they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but I, I have really, really been encouraged um, by the perspectives, the stories, and the approach. And not to mention that when this first started, you talked about the amount of time and care and intentionality that you guys were putting into this series because it's so important, because people get it wrong so often. Um, and what's your name? Katie. Okay. So what Katie was talking about, I think that's something that I want to touch on. I think these are, these, these are really good, but and I'm not saying that married people aren't here, but they don't usually show up to these sorts of things or this message. And I think to properly reach them and to emphasize that side of it, it needs to be a main sermon. It needs to be something in the main room um, that they can hear um, because I don't think because if it gets talked about here, I don't think it reaches the married population uh, enough to, to emphasize that we really need to include, we really need to, you know, be together. And, um, yeah, I think it just gets emphasized a lot more if uh, it's in the main room. That's, that's the only point that I was trying to make. Yeah, it's just about changing the vernacular in the church, and so just making sure that this conversation doesn't stop here. So, like, when preaching about the ministries upcoming and the meal groups, like, just make it a point to say in the main hall, like, this is for everyone, and we want all these perspectives and walks of life. And I think that changing the culture ship starts with just changing the language and how we speak about things. So not phrasing questions in the way to married people or single people, just changing the language we use and incorporating everyone. Yeah, and just 
<laughs> real brief on that. <laughs> um, it, it can be difficult to change a culture, but like you were saying, why doesn't that just start here? Why doesn't it just start small? So, and that can happen. Yeah. Like in one, and then, you know, so. Yeah, and even as we kind of work this out, and however it works out, you know, for in, in the sanctuary when we're gathered in worship, we have all these podcasts now. I would just say, ask a married couple friend to listen to them. I mean, that even in itself might, could start some sort of, so they're, you know, they'll all be up there and, it, you know, in the meantime, or we're still kind of wrestling through all of it and you know, say, hey, would you listen to these? Uh, and then can we talk about them? I think that could be a, co- a cool conversation. Um, I think New Life does do a really good job at it, but there's, I don't know if this is a question or a comment at the same time. Um, I think partly too why a lot of times when we're single, we get into groups of single people is also if you want to meet someone, that's a way to do it. And a church is a great way to do it. So there's kind of this like war going on between I want to meet people because I want to meet someone maybe, and that's a good place to do it. But I also want to be in community with everyone, but I don't have time to do both of it, like, especially like meal group wise, because I tried it once and it didn't, it doesn't work to do it. That's, it's just too much of a commitment. And so how, even as a church, can you offer places for people that are singles to meet, but also maybe that's not a weekly like meal group thing. And I think that's why it naturally becomes, oh, we started a meal group and all these singles came to it and now there's like 50 people going to it and that's just what I'm the world I'm stuck in now and I don't feel like I can if I get out of that I feel like I'm gonna stop being a part of that community because I don't have time so how do you create a place to meet other people but maybe not the weekly meal group area yeah yeah and I feel like yeah at downtown that's been a like and maybe it should be placed on us, but that's kind of like something that people have seen and like, okay, I need to step into this. So these areas are there for other people, but not as much the church coming in. Oh, how can we come alongside you and help do that? I don't know if it was, if Amber, you said this or if it was Lisa, but one of the things that stuck out to me from this whole series was either you or Lisa said that um, for singles, like community life, true friendships take a substantial amount more time than often it does for married folks. Um, that for Sarah and I and our friendship, you know, we live together. We see each other in the, in the morning. We see each other at night. And so there's all of this sort of like casual interaction. Uh, we have to be intentional about things as well. Um, but for often as we're singles, it's every relationship takes all of this intentionality to get together. That takes up a lot of time that oftentimes the church doesn't acknowledge. Like we say, oh, singles have so much time on their hands. But then you were saying like, no, there's all these things going on and I'm trying to be intentional about them, but my resources are limited too. And so how do we think through the, the both end of that? Amber, you look like you wanted to add to that real quick. There's a story that I told that might be worth repeating and it's <clears throat> story of a woman who served faithfully in her church. And at one point at the end of a retreat, the pastor basically said, married folks, go ahead and go home to be with your family and single people remain and clean up after the retreat. So she wrote the letter. (laughs) This is not New Life Downtown, okay? She wrote the letter to the pastor and said, please don't ever do that again. 
It takes me just as much energy to engage with my community, just as much time, because I have to schedule things. I have to get out of my house. I have to, you know, I have to do those things. And, and just in the way that you, you know, easily access your wife because you go home to her or you easily um, can engage with your family because you live under the same roof with them, it takes that much more energy for me as a single person to go out to create that community to engage with people. So that was the story that I told, and I think the point bears, it's worth repeating. Um, and, and I don't believe that that happens here at um, New Life Downtown. Um, I, I, I do hope that you all feel incredibly valued, and uh, in, even in terms of the time that you're able to give, your time is valued, and there is space for you to engage in the broader community. Oh, you uh, so just to kind of add on to the various comments for meal groups, one of the things I did want to share, so I see the value in, like, mixed meal groups, and really, like, I love engaging with all, um, like, even last night I was at a friend's house, and it was an older married couple, a mid-age married couple, another friends that were my age, it was just this really neat mixture, and so I love that, but I also really appreciate the small group, or the meal group that you guys launched, even though I'm not part of it. Um, by the time I decided I was interested in it, it was full. And then in hindsight, that was the right thing. It's not where I was supposed to be in that season. But it's the first time I've ever seen a church have a meal group for 30s and single. Because usually it's the like young 20s and single, college age, youth group, married without kids, married with kids, and there's nothing for singles and 30. And there's been huge value for me in being at this church and having similar life stage with friends who it's a me too because when you feel like there's a oh there's like somebody else like me it almost offers up more freedom to just go focus on doing life well because you don't feel like you're the only one in this season so I just wanted to say that I love that you guys have done that and there's value one of the things I love about new life is there's an acknowledgement of a lot of us in the same stage because I think the enemy is very quick to say like you're the only one stuck in this therefore like everyone else is happy and you're not where you'd like to be. And as soon as you can acknowledge other people are in the same place, there's a freedom to just go live your life. But then I also love the idea of mixing um, meal groups. And I'd say one thing with that is I tried a meal group last year that was mixed. And when it was all said and done, it was all families with kids. And they just reached this point of like, I'm kind of all alone in this group. And I didn't do the challenging of like, how can we do this different? So if there were going to be those groups, maybe an intentionality of like, we really want to make sure there's at least a handful of young singles and we want to make sure like being intentional to mix those well so that there's balance. I think that's good because I think, you know, it could just sort of even accidentally become something else if we're not like, okay, we're going to keep this many spots uh, for each group so that we can be mixed in that intentional sense. Alex, we've got time for one or two more and then we'll close up and let people go and we'll stick it. I think Alex and then, what's your name? Raquel? Well, Alex and Raquel and then we'll close up and then we can keep talking afterwards. We're just thinking like what Lisa Anders said last week about it's nice to have your own tribe in some ways. And it's, a lot of us have said this as a balance. So like, there's nothing wrong with the marriage getting together to do married things. It's not like it's taking away from anybody else. Um, so I think it's good in some ways. I think there's some negative connotation with maybe a singles meal group. And that's not all bad as long as there happen to be people who happen to be single maybe instead of singles, semantics. So I think as a structurally as a church, I know that the leadership thinks a lot of how we're building our community is just providing some structure for how to associate with your tribe a little bit, but also some structure to how we combine together as a church at large, whether it's social or service. And then as individuals, 
we have to make that step too to find maybe people who are in our life stage it is good to connect with but also you know Tuesday night I ended up putting a bunk bed together at someone's house and so that part of life happens too so being purposeful and trying to engage in both all aspects because it's not going to change at some point we're going to be you're going to be married without the kids and then there's that group and then there you know whatever it is or the people with grandkids or whatever so awesome all right Raquel close us up um, no just going back to you know the that we have more time because I'm in a ministry and I'm the only single person and just to hear that you know people have dinners waiting for them when they get home uh, some of these are a married couple with only one working some of them have five kids so now instead of me cleaning my whole house they have seven of them <laughs> you know cleaning the whole house and there's just me and you know I'm out there last night shoveling the snow and it's like there's me and then I still have four bedrooms <laughs> you know, left. So it's funny that they think that we have all this time where in some cases we might even have, have less. And it might even be more of a circumstance that they want us to do it because they want to go home and spend time with, with their loved one, where we go home to an empty, an empty house. So um, I just wanted to, you know, kind of dispel that myth that we have all this extra time. Maybe we do, maybe, maybe we don't. But I also wanted to just say something that's really helped me um, as a single in the, in the church, because, you know, I'll, I'll just be honest, there have been times where, you know, I would never do it, but I'm just like, should I even come? You know, I mean, I know that sounds, sounds awful, but I just felt so alone and, and I could just see like no one really, you know, cared to, to be my friend. And I had this pastor and he says, it's really not about you. You're there to worship God. You're there to serve. And once I got my focus off of what I'm getting out of the church, and I had my focus on on what is what am I giving to God? What am I giving to other people? And then also just the reality of how many billions of people are going to eternally be without a spouse. Because that's really what's about to happen. There are billions of people on this planet. What am I doing about it? And when I look in the Bible and I see, you know, Paul, and he's with married people, he's with single people, no one cares. They, they have such a one focus to reach people for Christ. They don't even have time to, you know, who's married, who's not, you know, should we hang out together? No, they're just one, absolutely one, spending their time all day just trying to tell people about Jesus. And so those are, you know, I, and it's not that I still don't fight it, but, but it's really helped me when I finally got got my, <laughs> my thoughts off of, you know, what am I getting out of this? And just showing up, and again, it's a fight, just showing up every Sunday, like, what can I give God and what can I give others? And that's helped me. Thank you so much, Raquel. As you were talking, I was thinking, this is what happens in my brain. Um, because I like baseball, I also like baseball movies. And baseball movies are notoriously bad. Like, they're not good. Um, but there's a, a movie called Hardball, uh, which is like Keanu Reeves like doing repentance by teaching an inner city baseball team. Uh, and he, he tells the kids at one, at one point that half of life is just showing up. Uh, and he was amazed at their ability to show up. Uh, it's, it's amazing what happens like when we keep doing that. Uh, it's so hard. It can, be, it can be so hard. And I think particularly in our culture, it's hard to show up. And it's hard to show up at the same place over and over and over again. Oftentimes, you know, we think, ah, oh, the grass is certainly greener somewhere else. And so we end up moving from space to space, from 
neighborhood to neighborhood, from church to church, from job to job, hoping that we're going to like show up and find a well-cultivated garden of community. Uh, and yet community takes so long um, to really find. And so thank you for showing up, for, ke- for continuing to show up, and for continuing to show up here uh, and trying to, you know, dig the soil and plant yourself in the midst of life at New Life downtown. You are an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important part of our community. Um, and you are valued and you are loved. Uh, and we are, we are again, I'm going to apologize over and over again for the times that we muck it all up. Um, but thank you for the witness that you are to Jesus and his kingdom, for what it means to be a church together. Uh, and thanks for leaning in rather than leaning out uh, when it's kind of, e- when it's, e- it's easy to do that at times because uh, leaning in can be so hard. Uh, but thank you. Let me pray for us and we'll close up. Gracious Father, thank you um, that you are the one who ultimately leans in, that you humbled yourself. You became a, you took on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, that you humbled yourself even to death on a cross, that you entered fully into our story, fully into our humanity, leaned in for the sake of rescuing us, redeeming us, bringing us to yourself, uh, and, cre- and recreating all things, bringing about your new creation. Help us to lean into the work that you're doing, to lean into community, to lean into the spirit, to lean into one another, that we might encounter the goodness and truth of you and your kingdom and your people. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give our panel a a round of applause. All right, thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of the day. We'll stick around up here for a while if you want to chat with any of us.